exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Happy Monday, everybody listening. Another show on Impact 89FM. I'm your host, as usual, every Monday, Alex Sharg on your FM dial. We do have David DeFever, who usually is our co-host, sitting to my left. He will be back with us in the last half hour of the show. No fill-in for David this week, but he will be back with us to discuss a lot of sports topics. But... For, without further ado, welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. We have a jam-packed lineup as we do every Monday. So with the jam-packed lineup, unfortunately, we are not going to have a special guest this week. There is just honestly so much to get to when it comes to the Detroit Lions collapsing once again. Another game decided by eight points or less. Uh, it is just ridiculous how this team just keeps on pulling all the strings, doing whatever they can and whatever is necessary just cutting it close every single game. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. More on the lineup for today, besides the Lions at 7.05. We've got Detroit Tiger Talk and Nasdrubal Cabrera. Also, a little news about Brennan Bosch getting shopped around potentially. We'll get to that at around 7.25, but we will be, we will be spending a lot of time talking about the Lions to start off the show. 7.30, we're going to get into Spartan basketball. The Spartans having a couple games this past week. They played the U, the University of Miami, the U. They did drop that game. There are some talks about changing up Adrian Payne and Derek Nix together. Also, we'll get a little bit to more of the turnover problem that Denzel, Denzel Valentine has had in many recent games. 7.45, we're going to get to Detroit Pistons. They're starting to turn it around a little bit. We'll get to that and more at 7.45. 7.50, Spartan Hockey. David will be will be with us then. Him and I will delve into the tough loss against Ohio State, but coming right back and and, and really just challenging that team after that one to nothing loss on Friday. And to cap off the show at seven fifty five, we have our traditional goon of the week. Uh, the goon this week is a Detroit Red Wings prospect. Uh, another goon that we're going to jump a little bit into national. The other goons consist of Rajon Rondo and Chris Humphrey. So. We'll We'll get to all of that at 7.55 and more. But if it is your first time tuning in, let me explain to you how it works. We start with MSU Sports first. That is your, your, your MSU football, your MSU hockey, and MSU basketball. If you'd like to talk about any other topics, let us know. You can tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap. That is the Twitter handle. You can also call in 517-432-3893. Again, the number 517 517- 432-3893. If you want to call in on any MSU sports topic, any local topic, national topic, that is the number for the show. So after MSU, we got your Lions, Tigers, a little bit of Pistons and Red Wings, but not really with the lockout right now. Then we jump to a little bit of national sports uh, that consists of anything that we feel is most relevant within the hour time slot. But For every single week, we do have a question of the week. And how that works is that each week, I ask a question at the Sports Wrap, and you, the listener, have the opportunity to win a a new prize each week, courtesy of someone who sponsors the Sports Wrap. And today's winner will receive a Nebo gift card. You can find more information online by going to www.nebo.com. Again, that's www.nebo.com. The Impact would like to thank Nebo for their continued support and remind listeners that they may win once per week. So, the question of the week this week, you can also find it on our Twitter page if you are listening. If you are just listening, streaming it online, you can just go onto Twitter at 89FM Sports Rap, 89FM Sports Rap. The question is right there on the page. And the question this week, for a Nebo gift card, you can tweet or call in. So... This is the question. How many games have the Detroit Lions had decided by eight points or less? So how many of their games so far this year were decided by eight points or less? Go on your computer, 
upload the line schedules and scores and count how many of those games are eight points or less. If you know the answer, 517-432-3893. You can also tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. So I wish you luck as we delve into the show. Uh, and we're going to start it off, especially with the losses determined by eight points or less. We're going to jump right into the Detroit Lions' end of the game collapse. So a little bit of a breakdown. Lions up 33-21. to They had a very solid lead. They played very well for the game. Calvin Johnson breaking the record uh, in his career receptions in one game, recording 13 receptions so far. That was before the last eight minutes of the game. That was 13 receptions. And within that last drive, they were up 33-28. to They did not go to Calvin Johnson one time. We'll get to that in just a second. But if you did not catch the game, a little bit of a recap. They were up 33-21. Florence, that is the cornerback for the Detroit Lions. It's Drayton Florence. He missed an interception hitting his hands. Then a few plays later gets beat 42 yards down the field for a touchdown, making it 33-28. The Indianapolis Colts climbing within five. So right there, they were they were basically making a little bit of comeback when many people thought it was over. Around two two to three minutes to go, Lions get a drive. They just need to keep on getting first downs. They did not do so. They neglected to go to Calvin Johnson. They ran in on the ball to LaShore, who did have a pretty big first round, uh, a first a first down run. Uh, it did not come in full circle, however, but he did give it his all, and he was very, very extremely close to closing out the Indianapolis Colts. So they did not get the first down there around the 40-50 yard line. They punt the ball, and that's Nick Harris, the veteran punter for the Detroit Lions. He only punts the ball from the 40-yard line to the 25. Short punt gave them great field possession, about a minute to go. Andrew Luck, the, the young guy, drives down the field. Williams and Fairley missing tackles. Jackson missing tackles. Sue, when he was out of the game, the defensive tackle in his place, unable to bring Luck down. They have him. He's not that elusive. We'll get to that in a bit. But he did lead him down the field with four seconds left. That was around at the 11-yard line. He, he, he makes a pass, a short little pass. The receiver runs into the touchdown, runs in for the touchdown, and the Colts win 35-33 over our beloved Detroit Lions. So just to start uh, when we're talking about the Detroit Lions team, we'll start it off with Calvin Johnson because besides for the fact that Calvin Johnson was not thrown to that game, the Madden curse may not hold true. He had a very highlight reel catch in the one-handed grab that took place in the fourth quarter. Throughout the game, you know, 13 receptions, career high in receptions, Broke the re- he is probably going to break the receiving yards most ever held in a season. Uh, the one play that, that Calvin Johnson did have, though, that was very questionable was when he had the uncatchable ball. This was when they were up 33-28. to 28. Uh, The Lions trying to get some first downs. Matthew Stafford attempts to pass to Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson not able to hold on to the ball because it was way overthrown. However... The referees announced that as a pass interference. It was called back, and the Lions got a first down. That was a crucial play. The Lions kept driving down down the field, but it just didn't matter. But just to start off the show, we are going to open up the Lions since we don't have a special guest today. 517-432-3893. Will Calvin Johnson define the Madden curse? Will he make sure that the Madden curse, the Madden curse doesn't hold true? If you know the answer, if you want to talk a little bit about it, Again, the number 517-432-3893. David DeFever will be with us at 730. We'll be getting into all kinds of topics. Lions, Spartan, Spartan football, Spartan hockey, and more. But for now, we are opening the Lions to start this show. And remember, if you know the question of the week, how many games were, de- were determined by eight points or less for the Detroit Lions this year? If you know the answer, tweet at us or you can call in. So, besides the fact that, yeah, it was a pretty interesting couple minutes. A Lion team up 12 points, not able to close out another game. We see it game in and game out, and it just never comes in full circle. Now, you know, it started from last week. It started when Jim Schwartz did not throw the challenge flag. It started even before Jim Schwartz not throwing a challenge flag. 
with just so many turnovers, so many penalties, just consistency, just really not there. And we talk about it each week on the Sports Wrap. We, we really don't see how this team, with the talent that they have, are able to blow so many games. But before we get into more negatives, I want to talk a little more about Mikel Ashore. This guy, big touchdown within, you know, before those, within those final eight minutes, he made the game 33-21. That was a crucial play. And I think it's very evident that he's starting to establish himself as the stronghold runner for this team. Yes, it may not be this year. This may not be the year where the Lions make the playoffs because they didn't have a consistent run game. But it's very clear that he is improving game in and game out. And I think the coaches and fans are noticing. I think he's made a lot of strides, You know, especially being injured to start the year. He's came through a lot of adversity, a very powerful runner, a very elusive runner. And you even see it from a Colts defense who has a very solid linebacking core. Not able to bring LaShore down one bit. So for that, I give the Lions my tip of the hat. That was great. LaShore established himself. Calvin Johnson was the human highlight reel. It was great. But I have to talk about some of the negatives. And it's not even some of the negatives. It is, let's talk about the negatives of this game. Last two minutes, you have... Nanamakan Sue on the bench. What is the what is the point of keeping, regardless of his off off the field issues? He is probably the best guy on the interior line. You play fairly, sure. He's getting his experience in Corey Williams, but you te- you keep Nadamakan Sue out, and maybe that ta- maybe that Andrew Luck eight yard scramble would have been a sack. I just don't understand. If you have a solution, yeah, I get that, you know, there's fatigue, he's tired, but you know, this is the last two minutes of the game. You're you're you are doing all you're putting all your cards in it. Five one seven four three two three eighty nine three. Again the number. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three if you want to comment on any Lions topic. Our question of the week you can comment on too. Or if you want to just talk about another issue in sports, we're starting to get some calls in. So you definitely want to get that phone and dial 517-432-3893 before your time is up. So besides that, you have to pay attention not only to the fact that Sue is out of the game, but there was a lot of criticism when it came to Drayton Flores. Yeah, he's made some great plays. Yeah, but when you're in those last eight minutes of the game, regardless if we don't have any cornerbacks, you don't expect an NFL team on you know when when you're in the fifty when you're at the fifty yard line to let a forty two yard pass down the field for a touchdown. That is unexcusable in my eyes. That should never happen, regardless if the guy is inexperienced. You're gonna play back regardless. You know they're going for the touchdown. I don't understand how you can get beat so easily, not even in the mindset. 517-432-3893. Um, if you have any any answer for the question of the week, we're starting to get some tweets and calls. How many games of the Lions were determined by 8 points or less? If you know the answer to that question, you need to tweet at 89FM Sportrap and then also call in. Another thing about that game, I just want to put this in perspective. Did you know? The Lions have never had a playoff game in their home stadium. That's not in the Pontiac Silverdome. It's not in the Pontiac Silverdome. That's strictly Ford Field. They have never had a playoff game in Ford Field. And then the other day, and then last year when they made the playoffs, that was their first playoff game since 1999. Now, regardless if they've had off the field issues, regardless if some of the coaching actions were not necessarily the most prominent ones. There comes a fine line whether there is an excuse for it or not. For example, let's talk about throwing the flag last week. Because that was a mistake that Jim Schwartz came out to the media. He admitted that he knew that he should not have had that call. He admitted that, yes, my my actions just got the hold of me. It was just pure out of motivation. I was upset the refs didn't see it. And it was un- it was an unconscious move on my part. I, I was just he he he, ex- he e- explained to the media that it had nothing to do with knowing the rule, but 
It was just out of intensity and being in the moment. Well, as a coach, I'm not so sure if I buy that because if you're a coach and it's the last two minutes, are you going to act out of just what you're feeling in the moment? Because if that's true, many wins that this team has may not be in full circle. Some of the wins that they have are not because of out, you know, in the moment kind of decisions. Those wins, those final plays are the most necessary for any team. I don't care if you're the Detroit Red Wings. I don't care if you're an undefeated team. It doesn't matter if you're the Miami Heat with LeBron and Dwayne Wade. Every single team needs a coach because of strategy. And if you have a coach that is making decisions purely out of instinct and not really judging the full picture, regardless of the rules, that to me is not fair. 517-432-3893. Uh, you definitely want to stay tuned and definitely call in if you want to answer our question of the week. Again, the question is, how many Lions games were determined by 8 points or less, especially after dropping another one against Indianapolis? If you know the answer, you can call Dylan over there behind the glass, 517-432-3893. Uh, you can also tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. Also, let's talk a little bit about uh, the receivers in this game. Nate Burleson not in the game. Very clear that other guys are stepping up. But when it comes to injuries, Nate Burleson, Nate Burleson out. Kelvin Johnson making sure the Madden curse isn't true. That's so far. We'll see if it holds up. But I want to talk about one more thing that is very concerning with this team. And it's Ryan Broyles. Ryan Broyles going out for that game. Potential surgery. Things were a little bit up in the air. But it's very clear today. And this is very recent news. That Ryan Broyles has torn his ACL and will be out for the entire season. Now, this is a second-round pick. This is a guy, although he did play throughout many of the games, throughout the 11 games, this is a guy that is expected to go out there and probably compete in 75% of the games. Not 50, not 60, 75%. Although the Lions did lack a receiving core, who would predict that Nate Burleson would be out in a Titus Young clocks, clocks, Lewis Delmas? And that's another concern that we're going to get to in just a minute is Titus Young. His, his jeopardy with this team is completely up in the air. We'll see if it holds true. We'll see if it comes back. But we will see. But this is breaking news today that Ryan Broyles is out for the year. Season is done. He'll have reconstructive surgery. And hopefully they'll get him back on the field. Uh, the thing is, he did suffer a similar injury when he played for the University of Oklahoma, when he was uh, definitely one of the top receivers in the country there. Uh, the good thing about this is this is the opposite knee, so it really wasn't career-ending. His other knee that he did have the ACL, the ACL injury uh, is doing a lot better. He, he still played in many of the games. It's very clear that it did not affect his ability. Uh, I, I also want to talk about the effect of the ACL, because when you hear ACL, you freak. You say, oh, no. Uh, season's over, his career is over, he's not going to be the same, he can't run the ball, he's not quick on routes, not going to be the same. But I wanted to talk about other guys on the Lions team that have had ACL injuries, not just in one knee, but in both knees. Brandon Pettigrew. Brandon Pettigrew, one of the top receivers for the team this year, had ACL injuries in both knees. Another guy, Kyle Vandenbosch, ACL injuries in both knees. So, to calm your concern, that's the other side of it. There are players, many in the NFL, and some on the Detroit Lions, that have had ACL injuries in both knees before. Is this a dud draft pick? Is he not going to come back whatsoever? 517-432-3893. We are having open lines for this show. Uh, that is because there is just so much to get to, and David DeFever will be with us in a few minutes, uh, and he'll, he'll get into basically what this Detroit Lion team lacked and more about MSU Spartan sports. Uh, let's jump a little bit now uh, from basically the injury to Ryan Broyles. Let's jump a little bit now into Titus Young because 
this is a guy that, you know, aside with the Dominican Sue's off the field issues, aside with uh, Aaron Barry's off the field issues, Titus Young is sent home once again. And this time it is, uh, it's an issue that just makes me cringe. Um, unable to spend on it, to spend time out of trouble. Uh, not only was he banned for the recent loss against Indianapolis, but now he might not even be a part of the team, period. Uh, looks like this team might distance themselves from Titus Young. Um, Jim Schwartz came out and uh, he talked to the media about Titus Young, this whole issue, and this is what he said. He said, quote, You have to do everything to take advantage of that opportunity, getting a second chance. I think in this case, that just didn't happen, end quote. That's from your very own Jim Schwartz. Now, with the injury to Ryan Broyles and Burleson, it's just Calvin Johnson. I mean, one can make the argument that it was Calvin Johnson before, but now it's especially just Calvin Johnson. Schwartz also saying that he's not with the team right now, so that might be just him sitting out for a couple of days, getting some rest, think a little bit about he's done, give the team a little tender, a little time to make their decision. But in my opinion, I don't think that this guy will come back whatsoever. He did not go full speed in practices. He talked about the adversity he's faced. I just don't buy it. A lot of Lions players just don't really buy it either. Rob Simps, Lions guard, said this, quote, After that Seattle game, the guy kind of ran up to me. I gave him an encouraging word before the game, telling him how my career went, how somebody got hurt, and I had my chance, and I never looked back. I explained that to him, and he went out and played. After the game, for him to come and be like, hey, I really appreciate that. I was happy. I was proud. It's just hard. End quote. So, although Sims, uh, he did little, he did support him quite a bit. Uh, it's good to see that he, although had a lot of issues with the team and coaches, he didn't have a lot of support coming from a lot of Lions players. Uh, that stems from uh, a variety of, of different complexes and strategies, and and maybe saying the right things when it came when it comes to interviews. But the really good thing about it is that. Rob Sims realizes that he is just looking to win. He's looking to get his guys on the field. He's looking to field the best receivers. And he knows Titus Young has the talent. Now, it's a little different this time because Sims is not neg- is neglecting to comment on any details about with Young flipping out. Uh, I mean, this is the third time in six months that he's sent home. Uh, I don't know if it's his attitude. I don't know if there's something behind the scenes that maybe the media and some of the fans are not seeing, but it's very clear that this guy is right now a busted draft pick. Do you agree? What, in your opinion, is the reason for Titus Young's antics? Is it his off-the-field issues? Is it him not being disciplined enough when he initially came into the league? Is it Jim Schwartz? Do you want to point the blame and stick your finger out at Jim Schwartz and his coaching calls? You can blame it on Sean Jefferson, receivers coach. There are so many things with Titus Young and his blowups that this can fall on. 517-432-3893 is the number. In about seven minutes, seven minutes, we're going to jump to a quick break. Uh, I want to remind you that we do have our question of the week. Uh, this week, the question is, how many of the Lions games were determined by eight points or less? If you know the answer to that question... You need to tweet at 89FM Sportrap or call in. Uh, today's winner will receive a Nebo gift card. Uh, you can find more information online by going to www.nebo.com. The Impact would like to thank Nebo for their continued support and remind listeners that they may win once per week. So you definitely want to stay tuned uh, for more prizes to come in and, and more weeks. We've had a lot of different prize winners on the Sportrap. Peter Pitt gift cards. We've had some Cozy gift cards. Uh, we have all kinds of prizes on the sports trap. It will continue year in and year out. And basically, the questions will start getting harder since we're getting a lot more tweets and calls in. Uh, the Just a reminder that the the and the winner of the question of the week is selected at random. So we do have a previously number that we pick out. And then if you're that lucky number, you will be selected. So still sorting that out now. We still have open lines, so you can still call in. If you are 
definitely interested in the prize of the week. So if you want to comment on the Lions, we're going to move on to some new topics now. Are you concerned with the Broyles injury? Are you concerned with Titus Young being out? Is this guy really that impactful for this team? As you know, he did blow up against Green Bay, had a killer game there. But right now it's just Calvin Johnson, and, well, they, it proves that he can single-handedly win some games. But after having a career reception and, and a career number in receptions, the Lions still blow the game. This team might be just one of the biggest disappointments in football. Again, the number 517-432-3893. Uh, we do have open lines for today's show, uh, so we will see if we have a question of the week winner, and we will see if somebody decides to call in and comment on some of the issues going on with this line team. Moving on now, we're going to jump in a little bit into the Detroit Tigers offseason baseball falling in the World, in the World Series, but there was a lot to look on. There's a lot to look on in beating the Yankees. There's a lot to look on in beating the Athletics in a tough series. This team went through a lot of adversity. They were projecting probably to win the World Series this year by some analysts. But at the same time, many people thought that this team was not even going to win the division when they were five games back with 11 to go. But they came back. They showed everyone that they have the talent to compete in the playoffs. And they got themselves to a World Series. Now, obviously, that's the that's the dream goal. That may not have been what Illich expected with all the cap that he put into this team. But it's definitely more than what the Yankees got out of their cap. The Tigers might be the new the new the new Yankees of the Midwest. They decide each year to put in a variety of different cap into containing players. But I really want to start off the show uh, and talk a little bit about that cap and some of the moves that the Detroit Tigers are making right now. Uh, the Detroit Tigers, as of today, uh, they offer Anibal Sanchez a deal, uh, and it, is, it has been reported that there are some other teams interested in Anibal Sanchez. Uh, he did have very big strikeouts in Game 2 against the New York Yankees. Uh this guy coming across with Omar Infante with that big deal, uh, very valuable to this team. Had a lot of adversity to start. Some people may have expected that he would perform a little bit better, but you know what? He He's still doing what he can with the tools that he's given, and he's going in and out each day. Now, the Detroit Tigers extended Honorable Sanchez officially, a four-year, $48 million deal in early November Uh that reportedly ruffled a few feathers. That's according to James Schmel of M Live, and it goes on to say that uh, that what he reported was uh, uh, I don't know. It was an offer that would insult Honorable Sanchez, his representative Sanchez representatives. That is, uh, he scoffed at the offer. Uh, they said that it would it would basically insult Honorable to the point that he may not look to even be on the team. Sanchez who is being represented by G Motto of F- SFX. This isn't, a, you know, this isn't a Scott Boris, a Drew Rosenhaus kind of guy. But Sanchez reportedly is seeking a contract of six years in $90 million. 90 for Honorable Sanchez. Is Honorable Sanchez worth $90 million of what he's asking? 28 years old? You know, between 28 and 34, those are the years of your career that are probably going to be more up than anything else. But... With the Tigers cap they have already, are they going to sink $90 million into a guy that's not even in their top two rotation? 517-432-3893. You can call or or comment on any topic or issue we've talked about so far. Uh, You can also answer our question of the week. Uh, We are getting some responses in, so you definitely want to keep going and try to answer our question of the week and we are giving a Nebo gift card out to the winner. So you definitely want to stay tuned. And remember that you can win once per week. So you definitely want to keep calling in for all the special prizes that we offer each week on the Sports Wrap. Uh, David DeFever now just walked into the studio. Uh, we're going to take a quick break on the Spartan Sports Wrap when he gets himself all settled in. When we come back, what we're going to get into, Spartan basketball uh, was the... Miami game, was, was were the Hurricanes just that good, or did MSU just play that bad? Miami shooting very well 
Uh, we'll get to that more, and we'll touch a little bit more on the Detroit Tigers topics and a little bit about Scott Boris and how valuable he is to the Detroit Tiger organization. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89FM. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three. Thanks. <coughs> hey, didn't we, uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could, uh... Would you ever want to, um... <coughs> I was wondering if you... If I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. Oh, I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. that's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No! Don't touch me. What's wrong with you? Oh, sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Free. Studies show that three quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Or at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89 FM. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Prime Time, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Prime Time. Now back to Impact Exposure. 88.9 WDVM East Lansing. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM, part of the Exposure Series. I'm Alex Sharg. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, as usual, every Monday. David DeFever, co-host to the left, just joining us in the studio, finally. Great to have him, of course, each week. Uh, we are going to touch a little bit more on the Detroit Tigers before we get into Spartan basketball and more when it comes to Detroit Pistons and Spartan hockey. But just real quick... Uh, Honorable Sanchez obviously asking for $90 million, quite a lot of money. Uh, not sure if that's going to hold up. It's really up to Mike Illich if he's going to be the guy to spend the money and even Dave Dombrowski. But another big thing that you've got to look at is, although they may not offer that much money, if they offer up Honorable Sanchez, is this pitching rotation still one of the best in baseball? David, start it off. Um, well, with the... With Scherzer coming off the injury, obviously, as soon as he's going to be 100%, it's going to be a great one-two combo with him and Verlander. Sanchez asking for $90 million, I think that's completely out of the picture. In my opinion, he didn't really produce until, you know, after getting blown out in a couple of games. and mm-hmm. But towards the end of the season, before playoffs, I mean, he really stepped it up on the mound. But $90 million, out of the question for me. But I don't, I think we do lose a little bit with him gone if we don't pick him up on salary, but right. I don't think it's going to be a huge damage to the lineup. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I definitely see that side of it, uh, but at the same time, even with him not there, I mean, there were so many yeah. games that he had that uh, could have went the other way, that the game two in the ALCS against the Yankees, all the strikeouts that he had in that game, definitely could have changed the impact, so I don't think that this will be the same team if he's not there. But if you think otherwise, 517-432-3893 is the number. Uh, We're going to jump a little bit now into a man by the name of Scott Boris because there was a feature written uh, uh, by the USA Today about for the, the the Washington Nationals and the Detroit Tigers. Boris really defines their teams. I mean, started off from years ago back in 05 or 04. These teams were the worst teams in baseball. No one wanted to come here. No one wanted to play here. No one wanted to even take an offer from here, from either team. Now they're looking at these two teams, some of the top teams in baseball. Landing Prince Fielder, landing Miguel Cabrera, landing trades and moves that Scott Boris is just right in the middle of. Now, David, would you give a lot of the, the Tigers' successes to Scott Boris and what he's been able to do? I don't give them all to, but I give him partial credit because without him and knowing what these players can do and attracting them to a team such as the Detroit Tigers or even the Nationals, I believe it was in the article, is huge. 
and, a, and an agent like him, he's very popular. He knows a lot of MLB players. And for him to get superstar and even elite athletes into Detroit after a team that was horrible, that lost 116 games in one season, to be able to bring that type of market to Detroit is incredible. And yes, we have to do we do have to give him some credit, but we can't give him full credit with, you know, Illich, Dombrowski and along with Leland at the bench. But right. what he's done for Detroit has definitely been helpful. Oh absolutely. And with the fact that yeah, he has gotten a lot of players here. He's gotten a lot of wins. But on the other side of it, this guy might be one of the most dreadful agents in baseball. The contracts that he gets for these players are just sometimes unimaginable for a team to spend. Would you spend $90 million on Honorable Sanchez? I don't know. I wouldn't. Personally, I wouldn't. After what he produced for Detroit and actually seeing him play, no. I think he upped his value, yes, playing well in the playoffs. But outside of that, we didn't have him for a full season, so we really don't know his full potential as a ti- in the Tigers uniform. So for me, I don't think he, his value is that high. 517-432-3893. Is his value really worth it? Is he really the guy that's going to put you over the edge and guarantee you some playoff berth? Tigers reportedly now offering Scott Hairston a two-year deal, trying to improve more onto that pitching. Tigers also looking to shop Brandon Bosch and Andy Oliver. We'll see if that all comes in full circle. By next week, we should have... We should have a good grasp on how this team will be looking next year. I mean, Brennan Bosch is a guy hitting 240, 12 home runs, 54 rabies. Uh, that's his, I mean, that's falling quite considerably, but he is 27. I mean, this is starting to get where he will peak into his career. Obviously, his first year hitting about 300. Uh, that was definitely a boost for this team. Uh, no one really expected him to produce the way he did. He produced a whole other uh, story when it came to, the, to media's concerns. But we will just see if it all comes in full circle and if they can really contain what they want to get going and get that World Series. David, let's jump a little bit now into some... uh, Let's talk a little bit about Spartan basketball. Uh, ACC Challenge dropping a big game against the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, Miami shooting the lights out in that game. Yes. Uh, MSU, of course, a couple mistakes. Starting the game off very well. Uh, They tried to come back at the end. They just couldn't do it. Uh... Your thoughts on the game, first off, is Miami just a better team? Was it just because they shot too well? Is that just an intangible of basketball? I, I honestly think it is. I mean, Miami was at home. MSU came out with the first half lead, only by four, but still had the lead in the game. But when it came to the second half, just nothing was going to fall our way. I mean, I, I caught a good amount of the second half, and it just wasn't looking good. And if you look at the statistics... I mean, we shot 45% from the free throw line. Right. And Miami, 89. They got 16 free baskets, and we could only get six produced out of it. And if you look at it, I'm looking at the starters here. Yes, it was in Miami. We're going to be having tough road games, and that's what we need to adapt to as a team in general. But every four out of the five starters for Miami were in double figures. Two for the Spartans just made it, and Harris off the bench had 12. Between Payne, Nix, and Valentin, they had 10 points. I'm sorry, right. but for the, the Spartans, when 10 points between our three big guys on the court, I, that's just not going to cut it. I mean, granted, at Miami was playing really good basketball. They were making the shots, 56% shooting total, in the uh, 56 from the three-point line, say that, about 50% overall regular shooting. Right. I think Miami just played good ball in the second half. I mean, mm-hmm. they dropped 40 points on us and we couldn't even get 30. So, <laughs> I mean, Miami did shoot well, but Michigan State did play bad. Oh. So, I think it's it's a dual thing here. Like if we come out and we play like we did in the first half, right. I mean, it wasn't too pretty, but I mean, we might squeeze away with a win, but I think Miami being at home, they just caught the momentum during the game. They got their fan base you know, cheering for them, but they they just pulled it together and they were able to come out with a eight point win over us. Absolutely. Now the Spartans, after that tough loss against Miami, coming back, beating out a team with a score of eighty four to thirty nine. That's about almost fifty point differential. Uh, they certainly took their criticism to heart. Uh, Denzel Valentine, one of the guys that definitely made a lot of changes in that game. I mean, this was uh, a, a team in Nickel State where. Uh, 
Valentine only committed one turnover, opposed to Louisiana Lafayette when he committed five, when he committed four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's considerable improvement with a lot of players on this team now. Uh, is in is Van, Valentine really improving, or is it just too hard to gauge against a team in Nickel State that they just beat almost by fifty points? I mean, yeah, I think it, when it comes to a team like that. If you're still producing, you know, three to five turnovers, that's when you have to look at a problem. It's, it's a big problem. But that he reduced it by one against, let's say, a really bad team. I mean, fifty point win over them. That's that's a lot. <laughs> um, we'll see when it comes to you know bigger teams that we play. You know, a little bit more of a challenge. Guys going harder at the ball, a little right. bit better defensively. Right. That's when we're going to see if his improvement on the turnovers, you know, gets better. But until that happens, I can't really say, you know, he's improved that much. No, no, I definitely see that. And, and on the other side of it, uh, you have to look on the improvements of Keith Appling because I think David, you can agree that. I think he's slowly taking the role that this is his team. Yeah, definitely. And and even the fact that it's his team. I mean, this is a guy that le- is, is now consistently leading the team in points, limiting a lot of turnovers. Many of the turnovers now coming from some of the wings opposed to when, when we started off the year, Appling maybe wasn't, wasn't a finished product yet. Uh, agree, not agree? Uh, do you see him being the vocal leader and almost – you know, the second tier captain of this team? Yeah, I, I honestly do. He's a guy that he, he gets a lot of playing time, and we can all see that, but it's good playing time. You see him on the defensive side of the ball creating turnovers, but he's an also a guy on the offensive end that creates plays, and that's what this team needs. I mean, when we when they played the team and they beat him by 50, you saw a lot of our plays developing, you know, like what they run in practice. Right, right. That's what we need to see, and I believe he's taking charge, and as being that third co-captain, you'd say, I believe he's taking that role, and I'm, everyone else has seen it as well. Oh, absolutely. And let's talk now a little bit about, besides the fact that he is handling that role, let's talk about the captains at hand, because it, it, there is considerable debate whether you know these two captains are still agreeable with the coaches, players, and fans as the outright favorites. Yeah. Uh, do you think that Knicks and Bird have met their expectations, David, Uh are you going to start to maybe look at Appling and some of the other guys for a little more leadership? Or? Yeah, definitely. I would look at Appling to be up there. I'm I'm really confused about Bird being a captain. I mean, you think when you, when you think a captain, you know, obviously Bird's a leader for this Michigan State basketball team, but but he comes off the bench, and most guys that take control of the game are your top players, top scorers. You know, guys that create plays, play defensively, great throughout the game, every game, but. Bird's coming off the bench, you know, he doesn't get that much playing time. He may be vocal in the huddle, but when it comes to being on the court, it's hard to consider because he's not getting that playing time. And I believe Appling is the guy that needs to step into that role. I mean, Nix is the big guy down low. I mean, he took the spot of Draymond Green, I would say, being the captain. Right. But Bird kind of got me questioned, but I think Appling is a good fit to, you know, be a more vocal leader for this team. Oh, absolutely. Now, uh, there are a lot of issues with injuries. We've seen it with Matt Costello. Uh, hopefully that won't happen to guys like Appling or, or any of the other guys. But let's just use a little bit of situation here. If Appling decides that he's going to pull an injury, and, um, and when I say decides, I mean, like, uh, this guy is just can't play. He just gets injured to the point where... He tears his ACL. He he just can't get on the court. Now, if that happens to a guy like Keith Appling, what is the next move in terms of leadership for this team? Can this team win without Keith Appling? That is a very tough question. Right. And until we see someone step up outside of Appling or, right. say, Gary Harris, who's been playing great, in my opinion, yeah, as a freshman— sure. It, it's it's going to be tough. He's a key part of this MSU offense as well as the defensive side of the ball. But if he goes out with a big injury, there there's going to be a pair of shoes that someone's going to have to fill. Right. And if it's going to be Bird off the bench, he better be ready because that's a lot of pressure to be resting on his shoulders. Absolutely. Now, in the Miami game and now these games, Gary Harris and Trice coming back, uh, that's very, very good to see. Uh, how important were those injuries, David? I mean, obviously Gary Harris coming back, they did come back, but they ended up losing that game. Was that just because Miami shot well, or was it their impact that made it closer? I, I honestly do think their impact made the game 
closer. I mean, towards the end of the game, Gary Harris kind of took control of the offensive side of the ball. He had two and one shots, which he failed to make the free throws on them, which would have made the game closer. Like, I mean, that's a huge debate when it comes to, you know, he makes the basket, misses the free throw, he gets it, and he comes back down, does the exact same thing. I mean, them coming back from injury is big for this team. And Trice off the bench is perfect for the Spartans and he's a guy that can run the key you know make good offensive plays and passes and create stuff but I think that Miami was honestly on fire that second half and their big guy down low was perfect from the free throw line oh yeah yeah and and with those free throws I think you know besides the fact that they were dominant I think they did everything right yeah you're not going to win a game even uh, regardless of the if it's the ACC challenge you're not going to win again a game against MSU unless you're hitting all your free throws unless you're probably shooting above 40%, uh, you know, and they did everything right. But if you think otherwise than what David and I said, 517-432-3893, we've got a lot of topics to get to, so if you want to call and comment on anything, you want to do it soon. Uh, Just a reminder that we do have our question of the week. Uh, The question this week, uh, how many Lions games were determined by eight points or less? Uh, The winner today will receive a Nebo gift card. You can find more information online by going to www.nebo.com. That's N-E-E-B-O.com. We'd like to thank Nebo for their continued support and remind listeners that they may win once per week. Uh, David, let's switch some fields here and talk a little bit about MSU recruiting. Uh, Tom Izzo and his top assistant, Stevenson, went to Jabari Parker's opener. Jabari Parker, for those of you who do not know, one of the top players in the nation, very similar to Harris, a really impactful guy that can come in here right away and really make some impact with this team. But uh, does this show that they're really putting all their cards into winning? Is Parker their number one focus, David? Uh, uh, can this team really function uh, You know, with the other recruits that they have without Parker? Well, I think that any coach is going to look at upcoming players, whether they've already recruited them or not. And if we end up do getting Parker, I think that it's earn your playing time and see what you got in practice. I mean, Izzo knows these players more than we do. He sees them on the court. He sees how they practice. He sees how they are in the locker room. Mm -hmm. And if Parker is going to establish a leadership role or even come on the court and so, quote-unquote, make it rain or do well, (laughs) he's going to earn his spot. And that's what it is with college sports. It's you don't come in and you don't get a spot. You have to earn that spot. I don't know if he's putting all his cards in, but, I mean, he probably could be a good asset to our team. Oh, absolutely. Now, even he, if he is that asset that they are looking for, uh, let's talk about some players at his position, some of the guards, some of the forwards. Let's talk about with Brandon Kearney. This guy, uh, yeah, he's got some potential. He's got some good skills. Uh, some people think that, and even Tom Izzo came out and said that, Brandon Kearney may be the one of the more vocal guys on this team. When they came in against Louisiana Lafayette, when they only were up by one point, he was the guy saying, let's go, we got this, bringing up the intensity. Uh, he's the guy that Izzo really likes in there when it comes to being vocal in the huddle, although Appling is starting to take ownership of the team. How much would you credit that, David, to a guy like Brandon Kearney? Well, I think Brandon Kearney is just going to follow the footsteps of Appling. I mean, he's a sophomore. Appling's a little bit older. So all he can do is learn from him. And learning from Appling is never going to be a bad thing. I mean, he's we've talked about it. He's going to be he's taking control of this MSU team right now. And as soon as he's gone, who's going to fill those shoes? And it's nice to see that this early in the season, a guy like Brandon Kearney can provide that for the 7 basketball team. Yeah, and even with Kearney, let's jump more into that starting lineup. Uh, last thing we're going to talk about here with MSU basketball, uh, Adrian Payne and Derek Nix, they faced a lot of smaller teams. Izzo changing it up with them a little bit, putting in Costello, putting in uh, you know, putting in some other guys like Ghana. Uh, even even Russell Bird. Now, are you going to keep these two guys together? There is some talk that there could be some switch up in the starting lineup. Uh, or do you think the ultimate lineup is set? Are you going to stick with Appling, Payne, Knicks, and some of the other crew that they do have? I mean, <clears throat> coming off that Miami game, it's it's tough 
to want to keep them in the starting lineup. But, I mean, Payne coming off the injury, Nick's developing the leadership role he is this year. I think that we're going to stick with this starting lineup. Now, if this continues, then we're going to see some... I mean, we're only seven games, eight games into the season. Yeah, very early, very so, early. So, I mean, we still have a lot of working with, a lot of, you know, bobbling around with the lineup and who comes off the bench first and stuff like that. But, I mean, Nick's is a big guy, Payne's a big guy, and you definitely want them in the court, not only for the offensive end, but they're big guys down low, grabbing rebounds, you know, blocking shots, and that's what we need for this team. But, I mean, until we see another game like Miami, I'd say against a a better team, yeah. say like a, not Kentucky, I don't know if we play them, but, you know, like a team like that, and they don't produce, then I say we have to look at it. But as of right now, I think it's too early in the season to really, you know, worry about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're right. I think we should give them a little bit more time before we decide whether that is the right move and really decide whether uh, what our ultimate lineup will be. Talking about switching lineups, let's jump to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, coming back a little bit, they're starting to look a little bit better, beating a very, very competitive Portland Trailblazer team, uh, and LaMarcus Aldridge, who always uh, puts up a tough fight when it comes to playing the Detroit Pistons. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, some of the other situations with the starting lineup. Now, there is some talk about how the point guard situation will affect the team. Ronnie Stuckey, Brandon Knight. You've got, you know, you've got a little bit of issue. How are you going to settle with these guys uh, when it comes to finding your ultimate lineup. Of course, you got even Will Bynum, guy who not maybe not will play as many minutes as Knight or Stucky, but he certainly does get in there. Now, are you going to eliminate Bynum for that rotation uh, and really stick with the point guard? Are you going to try to play both guards, or, or what is the move with the point guard switch-up? I think you have to have a combination of everything. I mean, it's pretty early in the NBA season as well. I mean, they have a lot to go with. I mean, Will Bynum, Will Bynum is a big body. Brandon Knight, I believe, is a little bit taller than Rodney Stuckey, which adds a little bit more depth on the defensive end of the ball. But Stuckey is a leader on this team. He's been with the Pistons for a couple of years now. I think he's starting to develop that leadership role. But, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to starting him and Brandon Knight because he is a young talent that can shoot the ball. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk a little bit now, David, about beating the Trailblazers. Uh, uh, you, you mentioned that this team maybe needs to have all the pieces in place and maybe not sticking with one point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that can be debated. Now, with the Portland Trailblazers, uh, that was did, did that win really turn the, the tables when it comes to analyzing this team for you? Um, I, it's still up in the air. I mean, it is, it is. It's a good win for the Pistons, no doubt. The Trailblazers are a very competitive team and are up there in the rankings. But, um, I mean, all we can do is move forward from this point. They're going to use this momentum in further games. Um, as far as switching it up, I don't know. They might stick with what they did against the Trailblazers because it obviously worked. But it's really early in the season to really determine that right now. Yeah, you know what? You say it's early in the season, but at the same time, I'm going to say that they need to pick a direction right away. You know, they are starting to drop some really close games. You know, some of these early season wins may get up and compete with them. But if you agree otherwise, if you're listening over the air, we are within the last seven minutes of the show. 517-432-3893. Again, the number 517-432-3893. Again, the question of the week. Nobody really getting it correct so far. Uh you want to answer the question about the Detroit Lions. How many games were determined by eight points or less? How many games by eight points or less for this team? If you know the answer, at 89FM Sports Rep is where you want to tweet. Uh, you can also call in uh, 517-432-3893. Uh, today's winner will receive a Nebo gift card. You can find more online at Nebo.com. We'd like to thank them for their continued support and remind you that you may win once per week. Uh, let's talk a little bit now more about the Suns win. Was that a good win? Were you surprised on that win, uh, you know, getting dominated? I mean, a, a Suns team, they're really low in the league. I think they're. I think the Pistons are better than them, and they. these are wins. These are, this is the, eh, Pistons 
play teams like the Suns, these should be wins for the Pistons. And, you know, really building on what they already have as a team. Um, I know they did lose the first game of the season, the first one to the Suns by about four points. But um, I think it's a good win for them. I mean, the Suns aren't that good of a team anymore now that they've lost Steve Nash and Marty Starmeyer. But, I mean, a win is... A win is a win for any team. Yeah. Now, this team dropping the last two to the Grizzlies and the Mavericks, 78-90, 77-92. Pretty close games throughout the game. A lot of back-and-forth basketball. So win two games, lose two games this week, uh, 500 overall. Uh, they're, they actually are playing the Cavaliers right now, and they are winning 12-4, to another team that they could take advantage of. Yep. Uh, uh, are they going to win this game, and how do you think they're going to finish up the first half of the season, David? Um... I think they can beat the Cavs. They're not a playoff contender like they used to be with LeBron James. But, I mean, I've said this at the beginning when we were talking about the Pistons, that they're about they're going to be a 500 team. I mean, they win two, lose two. I mean, we see a pattern. Uh, first half, I, I'm actually going to pull for them. We'll, I'll say four or five games above 500. Ooh, very bold prediction. We'll see if that holds true. Uh, let's talk now a little bit about MSU Spartan Hockey. Uh, David, you're going to give a little update on that. Tough loss against Ohio State coming right back next game. Uh, what have you seen? What have you seen from Chelios? What have you seen from Barry, some of these guys on this team that have really stepped up? Yeah, no, um, after the Michigan game, you saw you saw the Michigan State team. I mean, they put up seven goals against their rival. Barry had a hat trick. And then Ohio State comes into our barn, you know, not too far away. And their goalie, Jelly, that's how you say his last name, yeah, is just played phenomenal. Right. I mean, we put the shots on that. We had 31 shots on Friday night's contest, and he stopped every single one of them. Ohio State was able to squeak one through on Hildebrand, which he has been p- playing phenomenal through the pipes. Right. But he's just not getting the offensive support. I mean, right. we've seen this team do good, and then the next game they get shut out. It's The scoring for this hockey team is what's really going to set them back. I mean, we have good defensive core. We have a solid goaltender right now who's playing sensational. But Ohio State's goaltender really stood up this past weekend. I mean, mm-hmm. The second game, they could only get one goal by him. But they still had 23 shots on net. I mean, Ohio State, it was a pretty even game. I mean, we went up one nothing at the end of one. They scored one about six minutes into the second and then buried another one with about a minute left in the second, which is really not what you want to do in a hockey game going into the third period. So they kind of had to play catch-up. And then we were able to, you know, get opportunities. And then towards the end, we pulled the net. We pulled the goaltender and... You know, just a, a funny bounce over Chelio <laughs> stick. They ended up getting, you know, a free one on the empty net. Right. But, I mean, <clears throat> the team, it, it you have to be able to score goals. And, I mean, the defensive side of this team is good. It's the Hildebrand has been playing phenomenal in that. He's been really stepping up and taking that role. But, I mean, you need to produce goals to win in the CCHA. It's one goal a game isn't going to get it done. Now, now against that Ohio State game on Friday, just real quick, you know they did have that one goal. It was just basically slid in there. It was off a deflection. Uh, it was a debated goal. There was looking to be, you know, they had the two goals callback originally first after the interference. Yeah. Then it was off uh, some, uh, you know, some debated whether the Ohio State goal was in the in the net or not. Uh, do you give the rest some good credit here? Did they make the right calls throughout the game? Or was this just a tough loss for this team? Yeah, I really think it is a tough loss. I mean, Ohio State, they're they're a good team. Like, no doubt in my mind. They're they're in the top of the rankings. Um, they just gave the MSU a run for the money, and they ended up, they were able to get, uh, you know, the points out of the weekend against us at home, which is sad to see in front of our in front of the fans and, you know, the student section, everyone there trying to get the energy level up for this hockey team, try to get things produced, but they just fell short on the, the Friday, Friday and Saturday night game. That's true. Now, just to cap off the show, we are within our last minute of the half. Time to talk about our goon of the week. I know David likes this one, being a hockey guy. Uh, do you remember your some of your favorite kid TV shows, David? Was it the yep. Rugrats? Was it, uh, I don't know. Rocket it? Power. Rocket <laughs> Power. Now, one of my favorite TV shows was definitely the Teletubbies. I was watching it since I was about four or five. Uh, talk about a Detroit Red Wing player, uh, excuse me, prospect, yeah. who was too drunk enough getting pulled over at a traffic stop in a Teletubby costume with a 0.3% blood alcohol level. Uh, just to start, is this potentially one of the top goons? Is this more than any Ocho Zero? 
any Ocho Cinco? Is this more than Gary Batman himself? Oh, it definitely ranks up there. I mean, there's a video online if you care to see it or if you have seen it. I mean, you can just tell he even pulled over to the side of the road. It was just awful. I mean, to blow a point three zero, you really don't like to see that happen to anyone, and especially a sports right. figure for our, you know, uh, a prospect for our Detroit Red Wings. But it, it's kind of embarrassing if you think about it i mean i know it obviously was a halloween party comes out in a tinky winky costume (laughs) probably one of the better stops for a police officer i guess exactly but yeah um he definitely ranks up into the top goons of the week and this guy is 20 years old so not only was it a dui but this guy clearly got an mip yep so and rumors heard that he had brendan smith's id (laughs) which i'm not sure if that's true or not but he's and also a player for the Detroit Red Wings. But, yes, very, very embarrassing. You know what? I, I would consider that him trying to get into the bars. Yes. That's 21 years old. But, you know what? Very embarrassing for this team. Uh, it's good thing hockey isn't playing now because I'm sure the press would be all over it. Yeah. No all doubt. over there live at the Joe uh, asking Brendan Sheehan whether this holds true. That will do it for us at the Spartan Sports Shop. We had a couple answers tweeting in. Uh, no one really got it correct. Uh, I'm Alex Chalk to my left. I'm David DeFever. We'll be back for another week next Monday on the Spartan Sports Wrap here on Impact 89FM. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.